Hey guys, before we get into this week's show, I want to remind you we are available on your app store now. The members have an app available to them. All you got to do is go to the app store, Apple App Store and Google Play Store, download the Confessionals app, and you can get access to all the membership goodies on an app. And we added a members community where you can socialize with other members, direct message them for private messaging, and contribute in these chat threads. And obviously, you'll be able to listen to all the episodes and member episodes right there on the app. There's a lot of good stuff coming down the road from the app. It's not finished. It's just getting started. We will add features and change some things up over time. You're going to dig it. And a lot of people have been digging it since I dropped it last Thursday. So if you're a member, go ahead, download the app, get yourself logged in, and enjoy the new app from The Confessionals. Merkel. Media. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me, and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's contact at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, become a member. There you're going to get access to exclusive Thursday member episodes, plus the Tuesday shows ad-free and overtime segments when they're available. All right, friends, listen, before we get into this week's show, I got to remind you, we are doing some events this year. We're looking to book a couple more events, hopefully, but right now, it started out as a vendor's table, and then they moved him into the big leagues, and he is speaking now at Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference. Your host, Tony Merkel, is going to be there not only as a vendor, but also as a speaker at the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Links to the tickets are available in this episode's description. Go get your tickets. I want to see you there. Come out, hang out, be part of the audience. 
Check out the vendors table because we're still going to have a vendors table. But I am speaking at the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference this year. I'm very excited about it in July. So go ahead, check out the tickets and see you there. Also, we're doing a live show in Gatlinburg in September. September 30th, me and Hillbilly Horror Stories are doing a live show there. And you can get tickets to that as well. It's in the description of this episode. I'm looking forward to maybe adding a few more events that I'm going to be doing this year. I was going to be doing another one, but it turns out it's on the same day as my anniversary. And my wife said, "Uh -uh. you're not leaving town for business and going doing whatever you do on our anniversary. So I'm staying home, being a good husband and not getting put in that doghouse. All right, friends, listen, we got Martin Groves coming on the show today. Martin was, listen, Martin has the most popular episode we've ever put on YouTube, at least. Last time I checked, it had 130,000 views, and Martin's coming back for round two. You see, he was here for episode, uh, I think it was 514, Terror in the LBL. Martin came on and told his experience as a sheriff in the LBL and his dogman encounter that was just absolutely riveting. He comes back for round two because he has a second book out called Beast Between the Rivers, A Trace of Death. And this is going to detail his experiences in the LBL, researching and talking about some things that they've come across, some wild things. And he comes on today to talk about those things. First time he was here, he talked about his personal experience that launched him into all this. Now he's here to talk about everything else that he's uncovered since looking into the topic of Dogman. This is a great conversation I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as you enjoyed the first one. So let's get to Martin Groves, author of Beast Between the Rivers, the first book, and the second book, Beast Between the Rivers, A Trace of Death, available right now on Amazon, and links are in the description of this episode. Let's get to Martin right now. All right, today we got a returning guest in studio, Martin Groves. How are you, sir? It's, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm very glad to be here with you. Awesome, man. So uh, this is our second time trying to record. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, but uh, producer Jack is in the house and he took care of it, thankfully. Uh, so I was telling you before we had to kind of stop the first recording, and I think this is the first time I've had a returning guest to the studio. Um, I, I'm racking my brain in the moment right now. I just don't think that the, I, I don't think I ever had anybody else come in second time. So. I am very honored to be here with you, and I'm glad to be. I'm glad to be a, uh, a comeback. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be here, man. I'm thinking you're going to be here often. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. uh, there, there's been uh, there's been since I had you on the show, uh, I've gotten the chance to talk to uh, some of your friends who probably will be on the show, and cool. uh, I know we were talking before. Uh, I'm going to put this name out there because I know I've talked about it before too. Bart Nunley, mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be on the show at some point, and uh, you know we we're talking about how we can get him in studio, which would be awesome. Yes. So uh, yeah, it's just more fun doing it in studio, and yes, so it is. when I can have somebody come in studio, it's what I want to do. Being being here live with you is is just fantastic. It's uh, we forget that the camera's on, and we're just. Yeah. Uh, we're being ourselves and being able to talk face to face. That's the thing. The camera's not even here. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, it's just, um, the energy is different. I enjoy it. And, uh, well, your story, when I put it out, I knew it was going to be, um, one of the, uh, all time type stories for the show. And I didn't realize how much people were going to love it and identify with it. You never really know. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of times I put out a, an episode where, uh, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. People are going to love it. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, that sucked. And I'm like, oh, well, I liked it. And then there's, there's, there's other times that I, I put out a show and I'm thinking, you know, 
I don't know if people are going to like this, you know, but I like it. So I'm going to put it out. And then all of a sudden they're like, that was amazing. And I'm just thinking, I don't know my audience at all. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just kind of, I, I operate in a philosophy where I just, I put out what I want to put out and what mm -hmm. I like. And if people like it, cool. If not, oh, well, maybe next week. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, with you, I, we talked a, we talked a lot about your experience uh, the first time you were out. I don't remember exactly what we covered in the overtime, but you're here because you have come out with your second book now. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have also, you, I think you said, what, in the next 90 days from this time of this recording, you're going to have another th third the, book out? The third book will come out. Gotcha. Okay, so we'll come out. We'll definitely uh, we'll we'll hit on that at some point. But before we get too carried away with the third book, let's talk about the second book. Sure. Uh, what is the second book? Why did you come out with the second? So the first book, if anybody is listening right now, um, it's uh, Beast Between the Rivers, and it details your personal experience that kind of launched you into these topics uh, it, back in 1993. Anybody who wants to listen to your original story, it was episode 514. Mm -hmm. uh, we called it Terror in the LBL. And uh, But basically, in 93, you're a sheriff and you're out hunting with a partner who was also uh, a police officer. And you guys had the experience of your life where you had encountered multiple dogmen along with Bigfoot at certain points of this mm -hmm. thing. It was a wild night. And uh, you guys, quite frankly, are lucky to be... Well, you're lucky to be alive today. You both were lucky to survive it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because that night, somebody else wasn't that lucky. Before we get into everything else, I just want to clarify something for yes. your listening audience because uh, we didn't do this on the first one. And it's because I read the book. This is why... This is why when I sit down to record people, I'm like, I don't want to hear your story until we're recording because yes. I will forget to say things that I already know the answers to. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a lot of people ask me, the guy who died that night, was it the same guy that you ran into, Bubba from Kentucky? Yes. Uh, and we didn't, we apparently didn't talk about it on the show because I knew in the book, I had read the book and you said that in the book, I, I believe it, the verbatim quote was, after you guys parted ways, you said, little did I know I would be the last person he ever saw. Yes. And uh, and so that I already had my answer. And so I forgot to bring it up during the interview for mm -hmm. the people. But so anybody listening now or that's going to listen to 514, just know that um, Bubba from Kentucky didn't make it. He was the one that was attacked that night. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for the official record, you believe it was Dogman? It, yes, it was no doubt what what had taken the uh, the firefighter from Kentucky out. That uh, the description that was given to me later on and the details uh, I, I won't speak about. It's too gory to talk. But um, the individual that I had met on the trail that day uh, was was a firefighter out of the state of Kentucky, and when they found him, um, it of my opinion and what was told to me by a officer in that immediate area, um, he was ripped to pieces and that it, it had to have been a dog man. Of course, the official report will state that it was an unknown animal attack. Um, in that time of 1993, well, just like anything else that has been hidden from us at Land Between the Lakes, officially there were no bear. Yet, when I spoke with officials, everything is a black bear that is not supposed to even exist mm. in that part of the state in 1993. 
even though there are reports uh, further north in the state of Kentucky. Um, but I was told that it was written as an unknown animal attack. I don't believe what took place and what killed that man could have been a bear. There were too many details that a bear just does not kill in that, in that rampage like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. But that was our Kentucky firefighter that I had met on the, on the trail that day. And it was in fact, one in the same, um, in the book, it does detail, but we didn't talk to, talk about it that day. Yeah, I gave specific details, and because I am a police officer, I'm very uh, astute to seeing things. And, and uh, when you walk in, I can tell you your shoes and, and uh, uh, what you're wearing, how you talk, how you comb, mm. anything. And that day that I met him, I, I kept in mind his tag number, what was on the back end of the windows and the, the bumper stickers and everything. And uh, even though I did not see him again at that time, um, I knew the vehicle that they had pulled out of the trail, and I saw it on the back of the truck. I knew it was his. Now, since then, you have to keep in mind that uh, almost probably eight to ten years later, I have been contacted and spoke with the victim's family. And they gave me a little more in details, but they, too, were— advised that it was an unknown animal and that Mm. that was all the clarification that they was given wow yeah that's wild i mean the cover-up goes deep and that's kind of like what i think you're learning as you look into this more and more Mm -hmm. and you know i've learned just from talking with people is that uh at all costs it is not an upright walking dog exactly Uh, you know it, it 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 is a hybrid of a mountain lion and a bear before it's an upright walking dog. Yes, you know, there's yes. something freaky happened in the woods that night and this weird hybrid was created, but it is not an upright walking dog. Amen. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. Totally it's agree. uh it's just one of those things where um I think there's there's um projected ramifications when it comes to this that they think could happen if it were to come out. Uh, but then there's probably the, you know, the ramifications that they know what would happen and probably there's a lot of um, <clears throat> there's a lot of trying to contain the human uh, mental mind frame into a way of thinking and understanding of what the reality is around us. It's been constructed for most humans to believe reality operates a certain way. Yes. And when you introduce the idea of an upright walking dog or a Bigfoot, all of a sudden the paradigm is shifted, and the the nice little happy box they boxed everybody into to think is is out of the, out of the question. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, know. you, you, you look at the LBL situation and it's like this in many, many areas, whether it's, it's a national park or something as small as LBL with 170,000 acres plus. Um, the last statistic I saw was five to $7 million in revenue in the tourist trade. Um, I do not know why they do, why they don't embrace the idea like they do in some other areas that, hey, yeah, the Bigfoot or the hairy man lives here because it would double the amount of revenue. However, they do keep this hidden because they believe that it will destroy the tourist trade. That's a lot of money, five to seven million dollars, and that creates a lot of power. Mm. Uh, One story that's thought in the back of my mind is an individual that had uh, 
come out with his story of seeing the dog man and a local mayor came to his business and told him to retract his story because it was detrimental to the tourist trade in the area of, of Grand Rivers. Hmm. And uh, this, this city mayor, I won't say the city, but it was in the area of Grand Rivers, uh, basically threatened him and told him to retract the story and do not be telling this because it will hurt the tourist trade. Hmm. Is Grand Rivers in Tennessee? Grand Rivers is in Kentucky, which Kentucky, is okay. just on the northern end of 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 the LBL. Gotcha. And um, you you have like five or six small cities through there, you know, from Katy's, Cudawa, uh, Grand Rivers, and uh, two or three other smaller towns. Okay. But, uh, you've got a quite a community that's based on the tourist trade of. Um, the lakes and the fishing on the Kentucky side, as well as the Tennessee river side. Hmm. Okay. So let's see, let's get into your, your book, okay. uh, the second book, which is beast between the rivers and a trace of death. Yes. Which I am so proud of because you actually designed my cover. Yes. And it is beautiful. Tony Merkel. I thank you, sir. <laughs> yes, very sir. Nice. Happy to do so. Yes. Very nice. Everyone has, uh, complimented on it and of course i give full credit to you on the inside cover and uh, i was very pleased with it and i thank you sir absolutely absolutely it's fun to make that stuff so yes i was like yes. oh that's creepy yeah yes. it works <laughs> very, it very much creeps me out if yeah. i see it at night I, I was when I, I remember I was making it. Uh, I was trying to make it look similar to what your first cover, the same same style of mm -hmm. monster, you know. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad it turned out the way it did. So you did very well, sir. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the book though, and what what it the book's all about because I think that it's basically the next step in the process for you. So the first book is you talking about your experience, and now this next book is more detailing the experiences after the initial introductory experience you had. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Um, this book will cover uh, things that I did not want to discuss. I, you know, I've been on a journey since 1993, and it's, uh, uh, as I kind of detailed with you, it's like going from kindergarten level through I'm baby-stepping through the, the walk and learning as I go. Mm. And uh, I've accepted so much and opened my mind up to so many different levels of of this type of activity and strange encounters throughout America and our national parks. So this this book basically takes me to an. I have to credit you for giving me the courage to actually come forth and to tell parts of my story that I had kept hidden. Um. We're discovering, and not only myself, but other investigators, that witnesses per se will hold things back. And I was no different and still the same way today. I mean, there are still parts that I, I withhold inside myself. When the story itself is so fantastic, witnesses will hold back those little bitty things that they consider are unbelievable, but these little aspects, these little parts that these witnesses keep hidden are so important. And, and my story is no different. It's not about me. It's the intel in the story itself, not just because it was my story. It's everyone's story. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I came forth after speaking with you and meeting with you the first time, 
And I, you gave me the courage, and I felt like that it was time that possibility that the country or America, or I can't say America because I've got readers in Australia and Germany and, and, and uh, the United Kingdom, I was really shocked as to the following and the people who have contacted me. But I wanted to come out and I wanted to tell the rest of the story, and I wanted others to understand why I had hidden it. Mm. And uh, but you gave me the magic or the the courage to come forth and to tell that story. And as I began to uh, piece the book together, it was almost finished when I was in your office the last time. But I had to change some things because I wanted to come forward, mm. and I wanted to tell such as what happened to my hunting partner that was with me. He wanted to remain totally anonymous out of this. He didn't want the ridicule and, and the problems that comes with it. And he especially didn't want the public to know what he had seen and what he had told me when we were standing in front of the fire. When I rejoined him after what had followed me and had been uh, pursuing me in the woods, and I come back to a brand new story. I, you know, I thought this was just it. I thought I was the only one that had been, had been stalked in the woods and had been chased through the woods. But in fact, Harry's story is included inside of this book mm -hmm. and, and the details of what happened to him. Yeah. Uh, so can you detail some of that stuff? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, the book, I, I added a chapter. And again, after crediting you with giving me that courage to come forth, um, Harry, just about a week before he passed on, had written me a letter. And I had spoken and met with him in the hospital. And he told me that I could tell his story, but again, to keep his family, save them from the ridicule. And he did not want the public knowing who he was, but he felt like that that maybe that his story should be his part of the story should be told. And, uh, after he passed away, I kept it hidden and I kept it in my heart. And, uh, out of respect to him, I thought it was time to bring it forth. And, uh, basically what happened with Harry is, is he had a whole event that took place on his own that while he was in the cornfield hunting, I had taken out through the trails and decided to run the ridges and to follow a pretty good game trail. Uh, hunting turkey that day, but Harry had chose to remain closer to our camp. And he had entered a cornfield that was just real distal to the camp, and he didn't have to walk that far. He'd set up a small hunting blind and was in uh, the edge of the woods. And uh, this was in the devil's backbone. And this is part of the story, you know, that will come forth later on, too, is that this is a really mystical and dangerous area. I mean, this is a very, uh, a uh, very dangerous place, as the statistics show and the different witnesses that have come forth. A lot of these stories have come from the devil's backbone. Little did Harry and I know that's where we were. We were in right in the epic center, the epicenter of, of everything that takes place. So Harry is in the, in the cornfield that day, and he's hunting by himself. And, uh, you know, from the book, it tells that, that, Harry's not a, he is not a scary, uh, he's not scared of anything. You know, I've seen this cat at work when we worked together at sheriff's office, man, just absolutely destroy whatever type of danger that comes towards him. We're talking about a man that, that had no fear until that day. Mm. 
and I saw a man brought to his knees in fear, the same it did to me. So Harry's in the middle of the cornfield, and uh, um, he tells me later on after we get hooked back up what took place, and here's what happened. Harry's in the field. He's hunting. He's calling birds, and he's having a good old time like a, a, a normal turkey hunter would be. I mean, we're in our element. This is what we do. And he's having objects thrown at him from great distance that he can't understand where these objects are coming from. Uh, first, it begins with small pebbles or rocks. Um, then he has an, an issue with a corn cob that comes flying. Now, this is a field that was left over from the year before. And inside the LBL, they will often put up uh, many areas uh, that they will leave and not harvest for the deer and for the turkey. And this was a corn patch in the middle of the spring that was left over from the previous fall. And also we discovered in the very front of this field where someone had put out bushel baskets of corn. So we knew that we were in a good hunting place. He's sitting there and all of a sudden a corn cob goes whizzing by his head that it would have taken great force from a great distance from the woods from where he was located. And that pretty well flipped him out. He didn't want to leave his area, and he didn't knew, know what he was dealing with at the time. He just didn't put two and two together, and the same for me. We're just old country boys. We're hunting. And as the afternoon progressed and the activity started and the he began to hear things close to him, but he knew it was in the distance of where I had gone and left the trail to go hunting myself. But one of the, and this, this is hard to talk about, but one of the things that he saw uh, was he saw two bright objects that came over the devil's backbone, one of the taller, what we call hills or mountains in our area. There's, there's nothing like the Smoky Mountains, but we do have some hills. Mm -hmm. The devil's backbone is a deep area with huge, deep hollers and high hills or mountains. So he sees these two bright objects that float right over the top of him, a distance of about 100 yards off of the ground, and he sees two bright orange, reddish orbs, circles. And he describes them smaller than a basketball, but bigger than a softball. They go flying past him, and if he was staring directly into our camp, it would have been to his left. And they would go over his left shoulder, and they enter the woods on the trail that I was located at. He knew that's the trail that I took. It is the trail that I had spent my whole day hunting. When these two orbs come in, he hears an extremely strong metallic sound it's the same sound that i hear i hear it twice he only hears it once and this noise totally flips him out because he knows our location is totally off the road there are no vehicles there's no way a vehicle could make that noise we both are aware that there are no buildings there are no other mechanical objects in our area that could make such a noise 
So when you add up all the things that he's got rocks and pebbles thrown at him, at one point, I think he even said an acorn, but this corn cob things in the back of his mind that no human could throw this corn cob at him with such um, powerful ferocity that was thrown and it goes flying over him. And now he's got two things that he cannot understand that goes flying past his shoulder and ends up disappearing into the woods. And it's late in the afternoon. It's almost dark. So he packs up and he says, I'm going to camp. He goes to camp, starts supper, got the fire going. And then I come in from the trail and begin to tell him my story. Well, what I did not cover and what I had never told anyone is, is the discussion we had sitting at camp. And he begins to tell me all these things that happened to him and these two orbs that had come in past him. And then I tell him, you know, hey, I've got something in the woods that's been chasing me. So we have a long discussion right there in front of the campfire before all heck breaks loose and these things come in on us. That, in my opinion, and, you know, we were talking earlier off camera. You said it best. I am one, and unfortunately my hunting partner has passed away. I am one of the 411 survivors. There are some that have come close, but I have never been able to speak with another hunter that has went into the same type of scenario that has lived to tell about it. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm thinking I'm maybe one the only one possibly mm -hmm. that has lived to tell about the metallic noise and of the struggle that we had to get out of our camp and to survive. My story, me, I'm not important, but what took place is very important and holds a great card in the card game per se, or a pebble amongst the rocks of what is taking place in the national parks. And it's not because of me, but I feel it's very important that this information and these details get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I, and I agree with you. Uh, it's very rare that there's the detail that you have period, because in order to get that kind of detail, you usually are one of the missing. You're one of the missing, or they find you laying in the cornfield ripped mm -hmm. to pieces. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's why it's so important for me to tell this because if I can save one hunter or one hiker or just one a family that recognizes, hey man, there's something out there. This don't look right. Let's kind of motivate and get out of this immediate area. Uh, that's important to me. Uh, I fully believe that whatever is in these woods, whether it's in the national park or in the LBL. Or even in Virginia, when the people are coming up missing and they're they're simply out for their morning run or walk or hike, mm -hmm. th there's something to this. Yeah, I, and it's it's interesting because all this stuff is happening in my mind in a in a confined area because it's it's happening in Kentucky, it's happening in Tennessee, it's happening in Virginia, it's happening in the Smokies of North of North Carolina, it's happening in this this region where it's a lot and it's changing, 
but there's there's a lot of rurality, a lot of forests. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, space for these kind of things to happen. And I, I don't know if it's as simple as that as an explanation as well. There's not as many people there, so that's where these things settle in. Or is there more things happening on a paranormal level? Uh, and and I kind of over time lean more that direction where it. I don't be, I don't necessarily believe anymore that this stuff happens where people aren't. I think it happens where um, the veil is thinner. Uh, it, it happens. It, 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 if it happens in a forest, it happens in a forest. But I, I, I've heard enough of people encountering these things in populated areas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I'm, I'm, I don't have a really, in my mind, a good grasp as to why certain areas and stuff. But it seems like this area that we're in is, um, I'm trying to refrain from using the term, but I'm going to use it, a portal area. Yes, it, yes. It, 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 it just, it seems like, and I, maybe one day I'll have a better way of, of describing how I feel about it, but it just seems like the veil is thinner here mm-hmm. and there are things that come in and out of this reality. Yes. Uh, and I believe that these monsters do that. And, and just for clarification for you and for people listening that maybe are new and don't know, um, <clears throat> when I say that, I don't mean that all these things are interdimensional. All these things are popping in and out of our reality. I do. I believe there that is definitely the case with some situations, but I do believe that the government has dabbled in creating these as well, and I also believe that uh, along with that and the interdimensional aspect, there could be a, a remnant of an ancient. Uh, l- l- listen, when we talk about we were you and I were talking about earlier about Scott Carpenter, yes, and Scott Carpenter and his whole Nephilim angle. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very real thing. And so I think that there's there's multiple things happening here, and it, if you if you encounter a dog man doing something, and it doesn't match up with what somebody else is saying they encountered, it's not because somebody's lying. It's because you might have encountered something that is from a different origin than yes. what the other person did. Yes, Does that makes sense. Scott Carpenter is a genius, and you and I have spoke about him before. I truly believe the man is a genius, and he is groundbreaking uh, he probably wouldn't want me to call him a scientist but man he is it he he is the groundbreaking investigator from everything from mind speak to portals to dogman bigfoot yeah the man is 100% on target and i've learned so much from him and i look up to him greatly for instance that's what took me from kindergarten walking to getting to, and I'm, I, I, I know nothing. I'm just a simple layman who is investigating and using what skills as a policeman I have to get to where he's at or to learn from him and others. Um, I've heard it best said by other investigators. We're, we're not experts in anything, but if I ever saw someone that is at that skill level, it is Scott Carpenter. And that brings us right into what I want to come forth with the portal thing. That's exactly Scott Carpenter is what opened my eyes to be able to speak about things that I've seen or investigated. The portal is real. Just because we see something such as like what I saw in 1993, which was some type of uh, creatures, 
unknown beasts, mm-hmm. whether if they be from uh, the under earth or if they come from another dimension or realm, I not, I know not, as they say, but I know what happened that we'll discuss uh, concerning a portal that totally changed my mind. I thought in 1993 that I was dealing with flesh and blood. Now I look back as to, as I have progressed with people like Scott Carpenter or David Politis, Barton Nunley. Mm-hmm. Barton says it like this, name me a creature that all of a sudden disappears in front of your eyes. Name me a flesh and blood animal that can be walking, yet it leaves no prints. So we flash forward to October the, I think, 19th of last year, of which I know what took place is a portal opened right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And that's why we added that into this book as to what had taken place and I wanted to open up and tell you that day, we spoke a little bit about it, but something happened. And again, it goes back here. Here's a guy that, that has spent 30 years of my life. Now, this will be 30 years of since 1993 that I have spent every waking hour and off duty time that I had investigating what I thought was a flesh and blood animal. This journey that I've won upon and honestly, on over 300 witnesses that I have documented and that I have interviewed mostly face-to-face. Some would only talk to me by public service telephone, but most folks wanted to meet face-to-face and actually take me into the LBL where they had their experience. So I went all the way from 1993 to flash forward to last year thinking I'm dealing with flesh and blood. Hairy individuals walking around that wants to eat everybody. So I guess come forth now and tell the story of what happened. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, <laughs> you said it, you said it up. Let's just keep, yeah. let's keep it going. Uh, it, uh, the, this this is uh this is a transition in your mindset is what you're saying though mm-hmm. yes uh, in the last thirty years and but by the way uh, I can't imagine looking into this stuff for thirty years and then suddenly having a paradigm shifting moment where yes. it's like I thought I had a semi firm grasp on the topic and now all of a sudden that's being shattered mm-hmm. uh, so uh, maybe either before or after or during however you want to do it I want to get I want to kind of dive into Sure. what it was like for you emotionally, mentally to start grappling with this idea that this is not just a flesh and blood monster. And, and, and you, yes. and you talk and you, and you said about that and you said, uh, about other people and, and the reality of the situation is because you're coming out and saying that there are people out there that don't agree with you and yes. they're, they're like, okay, he's lost it. He's yes. gone, you yes. know? So that's stuff that you've had to grapple with when you're coming to this understanding. And I imagine the only reason why you you are able to even do this is because you know what you saw. Yes. And you didn't you didn't see alone, right? Right. Right. Uh, actually there was a person with me that very night. Yeah. But you're you're very much right. I've went through this baby steps 
as, as we call it, this walk of 30 years of investigating and listening to witnesses and, and actually going to the places and locales or locations of where they've had these issues at. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, and please let me say the man's name one more time. I'm listening and I'm watching everything I can get and reading the books of Scott Carpenter mm-hmm. and people like Barton Nunley. And I'm listening and, and I am really, uh, if any student has ever studied, I'm studying what these folks are saying because they were doing this long before it was cool to do so, mm-hmm. as they say. They were into it and they were ridiculed and mocked long before I ever came along Mm -hmm. and not knowing that these guys know exactly what they're talking about. These are the godfathers of investigations of any strange encounters. I mean, these guys are right on the target. And so I take this, I take this incredible journey of 30 years, witnesses, investigating footprints, hair, DNA, anything that I can obtain. And all of a sudden, wham, I'm not searching for any type of a encounter. I'm not looking to see one of these ugly things ever again in my life. All I'm on is a quest and thirst of knowledge. And uh, so October last year, with everything I've said in mind and all these people's Thoughts and education in my mind, we are in the middle of land between the lakes. It's October. It's a nice warm day. And uh, I have a individual that I, I trust and I have worked with and known for 40 plus years by a man. The man's name was Daryl Denton, who is, uh, has his own group and is one of the largest, uh, uh groups. Uh, on the internet of trying to get people to come together and to, to spread their stories and to gain knowledge. Mm. And, uh, his Bigfoot encounters group is, uh, it's, it's huge. And I'm getting information intel from across America and across the seas. So he's with me and, uh, we've decided to go into LBO for a period of three days. And we had intended on staying for at least a three day period. Uh, normally I don't like going in for less than three to five days. I like to stay in and then get into the elements and, and get deep into LBL. So we have spent a day that would have, should have been our first day in the LBL. And we had been all around the area of the devil's backbone. And we were investigating about one mile or further from my original camp. And, uh, we had gotten into the woods deep and it was a little bit lighter than we wanted to be in the woods in that immediate area. And, um, to be honest with you, we are both accustomed to have an activity. We, he has seen so much in his lifetime that it takes a lot to rattle him. And it, it does me now seeing all and, and the knowledge that we have. And we're in the middle of the woods, the devil's backbone. And we begin to hear noises and we know that we are being surrounded by whatever's in the woods with us. We, we haven't seen them. Can't, can't see, but we have a good feeling as to what has surrounded us. And we begin to hear tree knocks. We've been hearing clicking or 
or clanking of what we believe would be rocks being banged together. And we're getting them in three different areas that have surrounded us. So we made the decision it might be a good idea to ease towards our pickup truck. We began to get closer to our pickup truck, and we know we have something in front of us. And we can see uh, what is best described, and we'll talk about that later too, because we've I've come up with something on that too about the shadow figures. And uh, we, we see some movement up in the woods in front of us, but we make it to our truck, and we get in, and we get cranked up. We get a short distance from where our truck was parked, and I'm cruising at a very slow, very slow speed. And over on the right side of the road, on the passenger side, Daryl sees something out his window. The windows are both down, and I see something at the same time that is so incredible that I did not want to put it in my book. I didn't want to even discuss it. I didn't want to tell anyone about it. And to be honest with you, there's things written down. I keep a personal travel or a uh, diary of any of my expeditions into LBL, Real Foot Lake, and some into the Smoky Mountains even. And uh, this, these are my private, they're, they're very private to me. And for one, again, it goes back to who's going to believe what you see anyway in this day and time. Mm-hmm. We saw something that... Daryl decided to, after, after the account, he decided to bring forth. And I did not even know that he was going to tell the story. That's why the story came out. Otherwise, it would remain hidden. He sat down and discussed with me why he had put the story out because he felt like that it needed to be told. This is what happened. Um, we see something out our truck window. We saw a creature that, in my belief, came out of a portal because we saw a mist. We saw a what can only be described like a gray color mist on the side of the road at first. Nothing was in that mist, and then all of a sudden a creature appears standing beside of the road when he saw it, it was laid down. I saw it as it began to stand up, and the creature was approximately eight foot tall in height. This thing was massive. It was nothing like I had seen in 1993. It was even bigger than the Bigfoot that I had saw. This, this, this was massive. And the only description that I can give to you is that it appeared to be something off of television. There was no way that this could be real right in front of my eyes. It was like I was seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie, The Predator. This thing was translucent. It was gray in color. Uh, the back of its head and around its its shoulders had a, like a what was just. <laughs> Daryl explains it as a lion's mane running down. I couldn't tell what it was. It was it was hairy coming off the back part of its neck, and it stood up, and it had a rounded snout, and it had the head. I say it was bigger than, than a beach ball. 
wasn't a helmet, but it wasn't a normal type head of what you depict upon what they call dog man. This thing was just massive. The, the one thing the two of us could agree upon after speaking about it was that it had a rounded snout and it protruded from the face. And it had white glowing eyes that was deep set behind its forehead. I mean, it was just solid white, like flashlight, strobe light, white light. And uh, by this time, you know, I'm, I can't even believe what I'm seeing in front of us. So as I'm passing this, this object, this beast, whatever that it is, it goes behind my truck, passes behind me, and I'm looking at it in the mirror, and I'm starting to speed up to get some distance between it. And as it goes up beside of the truck, that's when something happens to both of us. Daryl's legs begin to get numb and his eyes began to, to leak as if like a water faucet was turned on. I had similar symptoms, but twice as bad as this thing passes behind my truck. It shoots up beside of the field and goes straight up one of the hills on the devil's backbone. This thing doesn't even look like its feet is touching the ground. Again, translucent, predator type, type or style. It goes right up the mountain hill. We can hear it breaking uh, tree limbs, but yet it's not touching the ground. This thing is like it is floating. Uh, I don't even see its legs moves or arm moves. It's just like it's like watching a cartoon per se, or some type of a uh, sci-fi flick. So this thing disappears up into the mountains. Now, getting back into the truck where he and I are, I got the truck wheel in my hand and I'm trying to drive and my eyes begin swelling shut. And what I'm about to tell you, I want you to keep in mind that I've been hit by every type known CS agent that can be used, police, or military government style of uh, tear gas or what they would use upon humans to subdue them. My eyes are beginning to swell shut. My tongue is swelling and I cannot get my breath. It is if someone sprayed me with the topical agent, what we call top cop or one of the other higher end great CS agents that they spray to sub subdue someone. So I've got numbness in my legs like Daryl does, and my eyes are swelling shut, and I cannot breathe. I'm freaking out because I can't breathe. The other thing that hits us is an extremely strong smell of battery acid is what I can, what I try to des describe to you. It was like a battery acid. I really believed at the moment that my truck was blowing up because of the battery or something had exploded. So I, all this is taking place in a period of just clap of the hands. Mm. Everything I've described to you that's taken me 10 minutes to tell you, this takes place in the blink of an eye. He's trying to get me to stop the truck, but yet he sees that I am, I'm having difficulty breathing, and, and I can't. I've got to get out of there. 
I've got the flight syndrome going on. It's time to get to somewhere and try to get a uh, fresh breath of air inside the truck. All this takes place, and we decided to get out of Dodge, as per se, and we flee the area. We drive about four or five miles. I'm starting to ease up on the symptoms that I am having, and I get out of the truck. I'm breathing better again, but my eyes are just like somebody has sprayed me good. Um, I get out, and I check my truck. I check the front end of the truck, pull the, pull the hood up. Nothing wrong with the battery. There's nothing wrong with my truck. So all these things, if you can imagine to try to put into an equation and solve an answer of what has taken place, we're discussing what has, ta- what has happened, the smells, what's wrong with Daryl, what's wrong with me. There's, you know, there's no way of giving a logical explanation to what we saw. That night, that incident totally changed every thought that I had for 30 years of investigating a flesh and blood creature in the LBL is what I saw in 93. The same thing that I saw. No, unless what I saw in 1993 changes from what come out of that portal or vice versa. I have no, I have no answers. Hmm. But that's what I saw, and that's what I put in my book because all I have been taught since I was 18 years of age is to record your senses, what you see, what you smell. It's the same thing any police officer does when he writes down a report. Yeah. So there you have Expedition 58. Expedition 58. We did remain in the park that night for, for many hours, but because I still was having some issues, we decided to cut our three-day uh, expedition or investigation down and go home. Yeah. Uh, how did Daryl uh, view this stuff before that experience? Did, was he more along the lines of, you know, things could be less flesh and blood? Or was he, was this like still, was this very much a paradigm shifting experience for him like it was for you? Not for him. This man has been through so much that I've only discovered in the last probably two or three years uh, after he's opened up and began to speak on podcast or um, appear in front of, of others and talk about, he's had the same thing occur with the orbs mm. in Cheatham County. Uh, there's a couple places here in Tennessee that has reported there. There is one phenomenal case where they had an orb come in and I'll let him tell you the story, but he had an orb come in and a possum walks out of the orb. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, just <laughs> And a possum. Now, he had he had another person with him that night, but he sees this thing comes off. And this is the family I told you about that is being terrorized in Cheatham County mm-hmm. and where they've torn down the houses and this, that, and the other and destroy stuff. They're, they're watching this house, and all of a sudden, the orb comes in from the Cheatham Wildlife Management Area and lands just a few feet from him, and he's looking at this orb, and it, it opens up, dissipates, and a possum comes walking out. So many questions. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's mind-blowing. It, it it's really mind is. It's mind-blowing. Uh, Daryl is going to be uh, hopefully in studio at some point. I'd like to have him here in studio. Him and I have been talking about him coming on the show. Uh, I definitely 
it sounds like we have a great conversation with him. Mm-hmm. My my thoughts on that are are vast. So mm-hmm. like one, you you share that and it makes you almost feel like if you want to go the uh we live in a simulation type of gig, yes. uh, it's almost as if like the por- the that that orb uh was the the carrying mechis- mechanism of just a uh, what they would call a, a, an NPC, a non-playing character in a, in yes. a simulation. In it's a simulation. Just like, yes. We we need we need uh, the the possum. We need another possum in in this area. So deliver uh-huh. the, that's like the delivering mechanism. Yes. Uh, it also makes me wonder. It's like, okay, so was it really a possum? You know, or was it something else? I, it's just. He will tell you what it turns to into. Well, oh, gosh. He will tell you what the possum turns into. Oh, why didn't you just bring him today? Yes. yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay, well, I, I can't wait to talk to the guy. Uh, and, and something tells me, just from what I know of him with you, um, the possum story is probably the least of it. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he has He has so many phenomenal, phenomenal uh, uh, events and incidents that yeah. he's investigated all over Kentucky, Tennessee, and and. I think he's been to Georgia and, and Louisiana as well. Uh, there, there, we could go on and on about that. But going back to what you mm-hmm. experienced, yes. um, he's there with you. You guys experienced this together. It's kind of nice for us on the receiving end of the story, knowing that you have somebody else out there who's yes. who went through the experience with you. Mm-hmm. You both are talking about it publicly separately, you know, where you're here today talking about it. And he's been on other people's shows talking about it. Yes. Um, I got to get what I, 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 you're saying so many things. I'm like, I got to get all these guys in the same room. Yes. I, yes. I, I just do. Like, I mean, it, I, I'm just sitting here thinking you Barton and, and, and Daryl Denton together mm-hmm. in the same room, just talking about this stuff. On the, it, it would at the be same phenomenal. Time. And, and I will be listening more than talking because these two guys know <laughs> so much more yeah. than I, yeah. and they're just, they have so much information mm-hmm. and knowledge and see, they want to share it. They won't, you know, is the world or is America ready to hear of this phenomenon? And all these pieces of puzzles that mm-hmm. I've laid out, and, and you've heard me speak of the last 30 years, and then all of a sudden a new piece of the puzzle comes along, mm-hmm. and I was already open, and I knew that the portals existed, and I knew that things occurred Yet, I didn't want to believe them myself to a certain extent. I'll say it like that. I had to see it to believe it, I guess. And uh, I never discounted anyone. I never discounted whether if it was this person in another state saying, hey, portals exist. I've seen Harry Man or Bigfoot come out of a portal. Mm-hmm. Or I have found a portal in the woods. And uh, no, nobody does it better than David Pilatus when he discusses portals. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's just awesome information that you can get from him. You know, I, I'll tell you, uh, you've said this several times today to me, whether it's off air or on air, but you know, about the idea of, you know, America or the world being ready. Yes. And what I'll say to the, to that is there, there is no gauging that. And you as the experiencer, you as the person that with information and stuff, the only, like, like what, what, what is it that, that would take for you or somebody else that has that thought, like, I don't know if the world's ready to hear this. 
Mm-hmm. What 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 would it be to get you to change your mind to this point that's like, I think they're ready? The thing that the most likely would happen is that you hear somebody else talking about something mm-hmm. and you see how it goes over and all of a sudden you're like, I think they might be ready. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to be the first one to do it. And the only way we can gauge whether the country or the world is ready is for somebody to be brave enough to start stepping forward and talking about the stuff. Yep. You know, and so that's I, why I, I I applaud you for doing that. Thank I applaud you, you for Daryl doing that, and others that just we need to stop worrying about our people ready and just give it to them. You, and you need to give it straightforward, just straight we're, out. We're, we're listen, like we're we're not immune to criticism. Like I I see it with my show, I've not. I haven't seen the stuff you've seen, but uh, I talk about it. And just by talking about it, I know there's there's criticism out there. Mm-hmm. But if for you and those guys and even me, we need to put that aside, know it's going to happen, uh-huh. and we don't care if it happens because there are so many people, because you, you mentioned to me before as well today several times that if you can just help one person, mm-hmm. well, one person, by, man. by one you person, coming yes. forward and sharing these things, uh-huh it is allowing that one person to be helped that maybe they're they're not they don't they're not writing books they're not on the podcast and they're just sitting here thinking i think i'm crazy yeah i think i'm crazy and all of a sudden here you come along saying no i I saw harry man or whatever it was come out of portal and all of a sudden they're like wow because i've been seeing that for years in my backyard yeah you know what i mean coming out of my barn every saturday (laughs) night you know it's a party. And, uh, yeah, so, it's a party, man. They come right out and, and visit the farm. Yeah. And so I, it's just, I, I think I think the world is ready when people like you decide to stop worrying about the world's ready and just go and do it. My greatest worry and my greatest fear no longer is being worried about what people think about me. I'm more worried about that little girl that disappears mm. yeah. or that hunter that has a husband, that has a wife. I can't say that now because they're female hunters too. Yeah. They have a significant other and their family that wants them to return back home, mm-hmm. but yet they never see their husband or wife again. Yeah. They never see their son again because he disappeared hunting. And we have that knowledge and we have that thirst and quest for that, but everyone's in fear of speaking of it. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer scared of that. Yeah. I no longer care about the fear of the ridicule. I care more about that missing person than I do anything. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that there is a very solid foundation of people coming forward and talking about their experiences and then other people like Polites coming out mm-hmm. and talking about what he's learned and researched. Uh, and then even people like me, I'll throw, throw people like me in the equation where we're hosting the conversation and letting it go mm-hmm. and, it's just, and no, no handcuffs. That's what I've always done. And so there's a healthy foundation of all these different types of people coming together now mm-hmm. and, and saying enough's enough. Let's just talk about it and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think what we're going to find over time is that it's going to create a wave and this wave is going to just totally open up the door for people to just deal with these issues not not I'm not talking about governmental. I'm talking about the people who have gone through these things, who mm. who um who who are missing a family member. Yes. And they know what happened, but nobody is listening to them. Mm-hmm. Nobody listened to them back then 30, 40 years ago when they talked about it, mm-hmm. and they're just not going to talk about it now. And all of a sudden we're creating this wave where these kind of people are going to be able to say, "Okay, it, if my local sheriff doesn't believe me, at least yes. I know I can talk to these guys 
And at the end of the day, I can go to my grave knowing I talked to somebody that believed me. I told someone. Yeah. I talked. Mm-hmm. What I'm discovering, not only from this and for exactly what you said concerning that people need to talk, I've got something in that book that I have made a discovery that goes back to the late 1700s and early 1800s. Mm. And it's on that list we were going to speak of, the shadow people. Mm -hmm. We have transcripts of letters and things that go back to the Transylvania Fur Company where they speak of the shadow people. We have the, the Shawnee and Cherokee people speaking of the shadow people in these dark and bloody grounds of the peninsula known as land between the rivers or land between the lakes, as it's called now. The shadow people is in this book, and it's going to go directly, nail on the head, to the portals. I've got at least three or four stories, and what I could not get into this book that is going to, it blows my mind. It may not blow everyone else's, but blows my mind. I have got so many witnesses coming forward saying what they are seeing in the cemeteries mm. of LBL. Whether if it was St. Mary's Cemetery, and there is one I won't talk about until I get some photographs. I've got a lady that who, who has seen, and, and I know she is of sound mind, and I believe every word this lady, this witness has told me of a portal that opens up and dogmen walk out of a tree. And only recently, within the last month, maybe two months, it is beginning to be a phenomenon that occurs all over America and in other countries where people are seeing dog men like creatures walking and not, not only dog men, but some I've read accounts of Bigfoot, but there's a location that I've been studying for five years in the LBL of a huge tree in a cemetery. This lady seen four dogmen not only enter the tree, but on another separate occasion seen them enter and exit this tree. Hmm. Oddly enough, this is one of the areas that they have closed down. Really? Now, per the agreement of the government, all cemeteries shall remain open to the public at all times. That was the agreement that the government made with the families who have kinfolk. Their family is buried on the grounds of this peninsula. So what we have discovered, and you will see in this second book and in the third book, the third one is I've got to get back to this location, but they've got it shut down to us. They actually had barricades to the road about a mile away from this, which incidentally also is an area where supposedly in November, November of last year during the juvenile hunt, where an individual was attacked by some form of an animal. But because it's a juvenile, we can't obtain the records mm -hmm. and HEPA laws. We're but trying. That's the one with the grandfather that saw it, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, no, that's a different one. The, oh, the really? Grand, the grandfather, that's the one that... The juvenile died in Kentucky. Okay, so the juvenile yeah. survived this. Yes. Okay. This one survived, but they're not talking, and mm. we can't even get the names. But this cemetery is in the same location. 
So you, you go back to the shadow people of the, of the documents from the Transylvania Fur Company and the long hunters that were dealing with the Cherokee and trying to trade with the Shawnee. You got the shadow people all from that, that era. We have the shadow people that have come forth that are walking among the trees and disappear into the trees. You put all these little pieces of puzzles together and the shadow people become very important because they're coming out of what portals, Mm. the trees or the area. There is a portal somewhere where they exit or they enter. So witnesses are coming forward now across America and seeing the shadow people emerge and come from these portals. All right, it's sponsor time. And today, friends, we have HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit company. I love HelloFresh. I've been talking about them for years, literally. And I always tell you, pre-portioned ingredients is great because you save money in the long run. You do not buy onions that you wind up throwing away. Or in my case, I throw to my food, the pigs. But in your case, you can save a lot of money at the grocery store when you go to HelloFresh and it's foolproof because of those pre-portioned ingredients. It comes with instructions, all the ingredients you need. All you got to do is read and put the ingredients in the pan when it tells you to put it in the pan. It's really that simple. And let me tell you, friends, we use HelloFresh at my house and I pay for it. HelloFresh approached us years ago, offered us free meal kit to try out the service. I tried the free service. I've been in love with it. And ever since then, we pay for it ourselves. This is something that I do not get free food from. I go out and I pay for HelloFresh myself because it's that good. So I don't know what other kind of endorsement you need other than the fact that your host who's been talking about HelloFresh for years pays for his own HelloFresh because it's that good. I don't just tell you about HelloFresh because they give me free food. They gave me free food and now I pay for their food. You can do that too by going to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals50 and use code Confessionals50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals50 and use code Confessionals50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Go ahead and check them out today. So, um, it, it, if I'm understanding correctly, this is something. That, is this something that that you've been coming across the past couple of years, or is this something that's just starting to come out? Like people are rapidly coming out and talking about this more recently. It seems to be a phenomenon where people are now discussing it openly. Now, I have reports of dogmen, especially, being seen coming out of trees, but since probably in the last especially since July of last year, when we appeared in Paris, I've, I've just, uh, overwhelming amount of wealth of witnesses. I call it, I have so many witnesses that have personally contacted me after hearing me speak in, in Paris, Tennessee. Mm. And what I'm getting from these folks are portals. And this one case that, that I'm working on now, that is so important to me because I want to get in there and get close. I do have one photograph. There is a huge old growth tree in the middle of the cemetery that this is where the lady says is a portal. 
she's not by herself. I have two other families that have told me the very same story. So this lady's not by herself. In totality of these three witnesses, they do not know one another. They live in separate parts of Kentucky and Tennessee. They have not shared their story with one another, and I have not indicated to them that of this witness one, witness two, or witness three. So they know nothing of me speaking to the other people. So there's something to this. Mm -hmm. Don't know what it is, but I want to discover and I want to find out that answer. Yeah. Um, while you're talking, I, I literally text my wife because, uh, you're talking about dogmen and cemeteries. Yes. And I, it, I was like, this is sounding, yeah, we had, uh, somebody write in that, uh, they saw what was a shadow in a cemetery that they thought looked like a dogman. Mm-hmm. They saw something walking through a cemetery. And so like we, and this was just I'd say the last couple of months we, we had, it was after you were on the show, I believe mm-hmm. uh, we had somebody email saying that they saw what looked like a dog man in a cemetery. And then uh, somebody else was emailing about a dog man uh, disappearing once the shots were fired at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just, this is something that is, um, is really, it, it, again, it's the floodgates. Yes. More, the more you talk about it, the more people talk about it, the more people are going to come forward and talk the about veil, it. The veil is being lifted and the truth is coming out. I need to tell you something here before it escapes my poor old mind. No, that's fine. For everyone listening that can see and hear us, let me explain something very close because this came up. When I tell you that a road has been closed down in LBL, it has nothing to do with tornado damage, one person said hurricane. We don't have hurricanes in Kentucky, Tennessee. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I'm telling you that when I see a road closed down or they say the bridge is out of order, I've done crawled underneath that bridge and we've done looked and took pictures of the bridges. The bridges are shut down because they're trying to keep you from an area. The road is closed down. There's not trees down. And believe me, I was in the height of this last cemetery where this, this last, uh, storm that came through Barton Nunley and Daryl Denton and myself were in the middle of this last storm where it was throwing 18 wheeler trucks over on their side. We were inside the LBL. Mm. So when I tell somebody out here in the audience that a road or a cemetery has been shut down, it has nothing to do with road maintenance. It has nothing to do with a tree down. It has nothing to do except they're keeping you from this area because there's something inside that area. And I want the audience to know that. And it's active it right came now. Up. Yes. It's, it's, this is something that isn't like five years ago, 30 years ago. This is happening right now. Nine the storm days that, ago. Right. The storm you're talking about is something that just happened. Yes. Uh, yes. I had to cancel an interview that day because we were losing power here. Mm-hmm. And the damage that just driving into the office the next morning was like, wow, trees mm-hmm. down everywhere. So we're talking about something that happened like nine days ago, like you said. Yes. Um, before we get into that, because I want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, so you bringing up the, the cemetery thing, mm-hmm. it has me, it has me thinking because you're, because what you're saying is this is something that the, a, a theme that you're starting to see where yes. people are having these experiences with the cemeteries, mm-hmm. uh, Day, it, daytime it, and nighttime. It seems like, okay, so at one point in time, it wasn't a cemetery. It was just a piece of land. Yes. And 
for all these things to be happening in the cemeteries, is it that, and in, in, in my mind, it, it, there's certainly a possibility, and it's maybe even a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe you don't even have an answer or thought about this, but it seems like the action, the human interaction and action of us collecting our dead and putting them in the ground in specific locations mm-hmm. are creating the thinning of the veil that's yes. allowing these things to happen. Yes. And it's, our, our, our activity seems to facilitate, mm. if, if I'm saying that correctly. How, how old are these cemeteries in the LBL? Now, the one cemetery that I'm discussing actually was an old family cemetery over 150 years old. So it's not active. So this, is, this one is not really active, but it's not one of the LBL cemeteries where they had to move people from where, the, where they were flooding the area. Mm-hmm. This particular cemetery, and I would give its name, but I want to keep, I really want to keep the, uh, uh, I don't want to keep everyone out of it. I'm just saying until I get in there and make a discovery, I would rather it not be disturbed. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But I would share it off camera with anyone who is a professionally seeking some answers. But, and I, and I will later on after I get in there, I'll tell people where it's located. This, this cemetery is old, very ancient, and dates back to the first uh, pioneers of this area. Hmm. Now, we have, as you've said, we have all the other areas that we are going in. And um, they dug up people, and they moved them. And some of these folks have been seated or buried on Indian mounds. Never what, a good what, idea. What I have discovered about the devil's backbone and where my camp was, unknowings to me and what I said in motion, we were on the Indian mound. The Indian mound is above us. There are three Indian mounds there. And they're in a tri- almost in a triangle in that area. And so you then take people, right, you know, the Indian mounds, thousands of years old, and then all of a sudden you create a cemetery on top of them. Did that facilitate any issues or problems? I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's a good question. But, yes, our activities seem to facilitate something, an activity, of dog man. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting. I, I'm sitting here and, you know, traditionally my, my, uh, the idea of cemeteries and things, it's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, it's a layup almost where it's just like, okay, let's go investigate a cemetery. Ooh, you know, it's almost yes. like stage. Cause it's like, yes. a, you know, it's like that, that, uh, it, it's the, the cultural stereotype of, you know, graveyards, dead people haunted. Uh-huh. And it, it, and now it's like, well, maybe there really is something to this whole graveyard thing. Yes. And, and we, we should, and maybe it's, it's, it's suffering from mm. the fact of the publicity of, you know, Hollywood and whatever, focusing on cemetery, cemeteries being creepy that, you know, mm. maybe other, the idea of, you know, the cemetery thing is almost like it's overplayed, but really, maybe there really is something to it that needs to be seriously looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so, so uh, nine days ago. Yes. You, you, you guys were, it was you and Daryl and Barton? And Barton Nunley, yes. 
And you, so you guys were out there during the storm? We were in the very middle of, we had old growth trees, some of them over a hundred foot tall that were the wind and the rain and terrific, uh, strong winds. But because of the amount of rainfall, it didn't take much wind, even after the initial storm came through, the tornadoes that came through Kentucky, uh, the root balls would give the trees up at the slightest wind blow. Mm. So we actually, at one point, had to change camps. Now, we were in the backcountry area of the camps, but we had to leave the backwoods and come away from the trees because these old-growth trees were just falling, giving the ghost up. Mm. And, uh, you know, they tremendous weight of them, but, yes, we were right in the center of all that. So uh, what... What what kind of things have you guys uh, maybe uncovered on this investigation two weeks ago? What kind of things? And, happened? I, and I, don't, I don't I don't mind telling that at all because it's something that is going to come forth, and I have the photographs. Um, for the last five to six years, I discovered probably I'm going to say 2018, maybe 2019 at the most. Um, there's an area, and I, I'll give that road name of Bethlehem, Bethlehem because there's three of them. So folks will have a hard time discovering which one it is. You're underestimating the audience, by right. the way. They're, go, they're going to search all three areas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're going to search all three. <laughs> but uh, we were, I introduced the two of them to an area that I've been watching for a long time. As a matter of fact, there are trails through this area that, that look like an interstate. Now, mm. I understand, I know what deer tracks look like. I understand that, that, I know what pig the pigs look like, their trails they make, and how the width should be and what they look like. We've got an interstate that runs through this one area in areas that most humans would not take unless they had block and tackle and rope climbing gear. And I actually, Monday, two Mondays ago, was in there by myself. The guys stay on to me. Barton stays on to me all the time because if I don't have anyone to go with me, I go on two and three day trips by myself into the woods. And uh, so we discovered something in there. I had been watching it, but I had taken them. We found tree structures. We found markings in the woods. We we've found the X X X markings with huge trees. Uh, we were in an area, this is on the Tennessee side, where the storm did not hit, period. We went over into the Tennessee side because I wanted to show them this area. So there's no wind damage. This is important when I say the next. No weather relation, period. We have tree breaks where there would be a tree broke that would be broken 8 to 10 feet up. Fresh breaks that would take tremendous amount of strength. It didn't take the whole tree up. It was as if someone, something walked up and just snapped the tree. One little tree like this. And it would follow the trail. It might be every 100 to 200 feet. There would be another one broke. Promise you, not weather-related whatsoever. I know the difference. So I took them and showed them this. There is a bay in this immediate area where I have discovered a feeding ground. They have a fresh spring. They have a place to get fresh water. I've got tracks of 14 
biggest I found is 16 inch. And we have found an area. Tracks of what? Bigfoot. Okay. These are Bigfoot tracks. I'm sorry. So excited just to talk about it. I just <laughs> it, I get ahead of myself. So what we have Bigfoot tracks in this area. We have a feeding ground, a stone where they are beating turtles open. And the animal standing has a five foot width where it goes from left to right, where it's standing, standing still, standing still and five foot between each feet. You're kidding. And it's been over this rock and it's breaking muscles open. And there's a pile of muscles that are probably six inches deep in muscles. I mean, just it's it's a muscle fest going on. I mean, it's like when when humans are eating oysters, mm. and so this rock is being used, and and uh, so this uh, this is all in this one area, and uh, with the tree structures we found in some nesting or bedding areas, and we have the uh, uh, the tree breaks, and we've had two different locations in this immediate area where we have rock formations where it it just look like a bricklayer had came through. Now understand again, this is in an area where humans are not walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't get into some, I'm, I'm old broke old man. There's places I can't get to Daryl and Barton, both there were areas where they wouldn't even go down into so deep of crevices and then the deep hollers, but we've got rock structures where it looked like a, uh, uh, a expert brick mason came in and stacked beautiful stones that came from the creek or the river for over five miles away, maybe four miles, let's say, say four miles away. So these stones were packed from the river basin and stacked four miles away from there, almost like the intersection, like it was a marker. What the markers mean, I do not know. Mm. But I do not see a human doing that. But then I've got the prints. If it is a human, it's the biggest uh, Bigfoot human I've ever seen. It would have to be Bigfoot Bubba that is yeah. living in the woods and overhauls and has got his moonshine still. You know, so. Wow. These so, are just things that we found in the in the last nine days. And you, and you guys are taking pictures of it? We have pictures. We have photographs. The The footprints. So you're saying you have footprints that were that were fi- like five feet apart, as if it was standing there, like it was standing there with its with its legs spread, its foot feet spread, mm-hmm. like I would bend over to work on something on the rock. Wow! And so I've got this going on, and of course we have the cemetery. How close? Uh, probably a half mile. Really? So we have Bigfoot there in the bay that's doing all this. And then we have dogman tracks coming out of the cemetery that go in different locations on this trail. You have dogman tracks coming out. I have dogman tracks. Some of the some of the prints are, I believe, eight inches for the dogman. Can you imagine? Now, yes, they say that we have the red wolf that has come into LBL or has been introduced. These are not wolf tracks. So we have all this going on. If it's eight inches, no, I would say not. No, no. And uh, the the funny thing that that I always tell folks too, you know, when they say, 
Now, you guys are just down there walking around the bays, and you're finding from the summertime where some guy's been walking around, he's got his shoes off. Well, he must have weighed about 800 pounds because I'm a good fat man, and I can't make any marks into some of these areas. I can jump up and down, and I can't even leave a shoe pr- so, print. So you're saying that these prints that you're finding are embedded in the ground that deep. it's not like anybody could just make. Right, right. Me or you couldn't, we could, I couldn't, you couldn't stand on my back and us make a, 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 a converse tennis shoe in, 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 into something up through there. You know, um, every time I talk to you, mm-hmm. I just want to come out there with you now. Like, yes. Like, I think, uh, when we're done here, I'm just going to follow you out. We're Let's just, just going to rock and roll. We're man. just going to go. <laughs> I, I keep Vianney weenies and, uh, uh, beanie weenies and all that stuff in, in the car always. Yeah. Just give me like, yeah. 30 minutes, I'll run home, yeah. grab my crap, and we'll yeah. be out. You know? just, just bring a fort, man. Just uh, bring a fort. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I'm serious, though. I, I, I want to get out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have some things in the works I'm not really ready to talk about yet, but mm-hmm. uh, I am going to get out there. I, mm-hmm. I just, I, and I don't think it's going to be one time. Mm-hmm. I want to get out there. Mm-hmm. I, like, the, uh, this is the first time, I think, in my entire uh, career as a podcaster where yes. I have uh, multiple people who are looking into the same area together, ha- recording phenomenal experiences together. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm in Philadelphia and this is happening here in Tennessee. I'm in Tennessee. You're here. I, You're like, here. Two, it's, two and a half, three hours away. It, it's a hop, skip in a way. I, I, I could go. And be home for dinner, you know, like I'm not gonna, I'm going to spend nights there, right, but right. Uh, the idea is that it's so close. I have to, you know, and it's not even just the LBL. It's, it's the area that I live in. Like I had Scott Carpenter in here a few weeks ago and he was telling me the town that the studio's in this town yes. has, it has dog men. And he said that, um, yes. I believe he said, I, I hope I'm not saying something that he said off air. Yeah, I don't think I am. Uh, he he told me that they come into town, mm-hmm. they come into town, and they it, it's just like I I just I I feel like I I've, I'm I'm just rediscovering my yes. my life purpose. Yes, in a sense, yes. you know, it's just like I, I feel you were brought here for yeah this purpose. Yes, I I, I really feel like that me moving to Tennessee wasn't an accident. I had no idea how how uh how good it was going to be for me moving here i've got to i've got to tell you a story man because it's your it's just now your hometown mm-hmm. your new official yeah. hometown uh for about 20 years until i just got so tired and 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 needed family time i was president of the fraternal order of police and uh, I had served on a local and i'd served on a national level just as as trustees or officers and stuff there's a gentleman, Maryville, Tennessee, 1989. I won't say his name because, and, and folks around here will, will only guess, but out of respect to the family, they this was a judge of this area. He was a, a, a local judge. And in that period of time, he told me, of seeing two dog men at the edge of the city limits and they weren't walking from the hills into town. They were coming out of town and walking into the hills when he saw them. Mm. 
And he, you know, he felt like because he was the judge up in this area, but again, they had two or three judges, but I almost said his name and I don't want to, but he, (laughs) he was a good friend and he was in the fraternal order police. And he point blank told us, he said, there's dog men in the city limits of Maryville, Tennessee. Hmm. It's crazy because there's so many people moving here that have no idea what they're getting. They have into. zero idea of what is when Fifi, their little puppy, yeah. disappears. You know, they they let uh, 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 Boots out, their little little kitty cat, mm-hmm. and Boots comes up missing. Yeah, and and you know, oh yeah, it's Coyote, or as we spoke earlier, the proverbial the poor pit bull that gets blamed on everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I forget it, I do want to tell you of a phenomenal photograph that was taken. Uh, Joe and Jesse Doyle of Hell Ben Holler, phenomenal investigative team. Mm-hmm. In this book, they allowed me to use their photograph, but go on their website, Hell Ben Holler, and please look at their photograph. They have a photograph and they have got. It's, it's on a thermal and then it's uh, also taken at night. It's very hard, but it's a clear photograph of a dog man and look at the face and the ears that are coming off this thing. And just picture that this dog man is walking around in the edge or city limits of Maryville, Tennessee, coming out of one of the cemeteries or wherever area they come from. That photograph will absolutely scare you to death. It does me. It scares me to death. But uh, Joe, Joe and Jesse Doyle took that photograph and that image, and it is terrifying. Mm. Well, uh, I know you were talking about them earlier and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe one of these days we can have them on the show too. Yes. Uh, I, I, I've been aware of them for a little bit now. Oh, they're just, a phenomenal investigative team, the two yeah. of them, and they know no fear. They will jump in there. And uh, his wife, Miss, Miss Doyle, uh, Miss Jessie, the, the lady knows no fear. She will just jump right out there among them and chase, go after the dog man or anything they see in the LBL or what they have seen. Uh, uh, man, they've discovered the uh, something in the Brown Mountain light. I believe – they don't want to say the word. I know what they saw. In my opinion, they had a portal open and closed mm. in front of them. So again, portal, 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 portal day, portal <laughs> day, man. I'm telling you, it, 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 it's becoming more and more clear that there's a, there's a real interdimensional aspect to a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think over time, as time goes on, we're going to have, have more defined ways to, uh, describe what's going on and understandings. But for now, portal. Like yes. <laughs> you know, I don't yes. I don't know what else to call it. I mean, there's times I have stories that come across my my path that um it's like it's almost as if um I feel like uh imagine like a hallway, like the hallway outside the studio here. Mm-hmm. You have the door over here and you have a door down there. Mm-hmm. Uh imagine those doors being portals. And sometimes it's not what people are seeing come out of portals as much as people describing going through this, mm-hmm. but they're not totally onto the other side yet either. And it's like you're in a hallway, the portal hallway, where it's like you're in between two different realities. 
and mm-hmm. it, and things are happening between those two. And um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to describe this stuff. So I, I started calling it the portal hallway or the bridge. Uh, but it, it's there, it's something that is becoming uh, more talked about, I think. And I've been having people tell me certain things that's just like, wow, I, I don't even know. Don't I don't even know how to sort it out in my own mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how do you even understand it yourself and then relay that to other people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I'm, I, I think maybe the word I'm looking for is elementary. I, I think right now we have a very elementary way of yes. understanding and describing things. And I think as time goes on, I think when I'm an old man, Yes, the people coming up, they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that's this, that, and the other." And let me show you. How, and I'm like, oh, "When we when when we were finding this stuff, we were just calling it the portal halls." You know, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine if we can flash forward 50 years and and if you're still here with us or or we're gone, and these young what I call whippersnappers, they oh look at this old podcast, look look at this guy here <laughs> talking about all portals, and it's just you know it's just you know say la vie, it's just. Yeah, they have some daily fancy, talk for them, you know. Yeah, it would be like some kind of fancy term that yeah. we don't even have yet, and they're just talking about it. Like, oh, these guys were just finding out about that stuff. That's yeah. just like, yeah, those 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 old timers really weren't yeah. with it, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, hopefully they look back and they they have respect, like we have respect for other people yes. as well. Yes, I'm not that I'm asking for respect. I'm just saying, right, like right. The, the, the the general generation that we're in right now. Hopefully they look uh-huh. back at the people who were discovering these things and mm-hmm. saying and say you know what if it wasn't for that mm-hmm. though we wouldn't be where we're at you know exactly well guys say it guys say it you look at this man right here on this shirt mm-hmm. martin nunley yeah he was investigating when it wasn't cool and it's the same thing you're yeah. doing right now today will they look back upon you and they'll look at you talking about portals and then flip back a few more years back to the 70s and the 80s when Barton Nunley was being attacked, his family was being attacked, and then he comes forward and he goes to talking about it and how bad he was treated. And, that back, and that, that far back, and I believe it was in the nineteen eighties, really seventies or eighties. Wow! You know? And and you know this family at one point was on television. You know they were they were being attacked. You know you had Channel Five or CBS News nationwide come to Kentucky to find out what was happening in that area. Are you kidding me? And oh yeah, the families, the farms. Yeah, oh his story goes way back with his family and and how that uh, his actually his father had actually brought them all into the house one night because they had seen their horses, their dogs, their their chickens, everything was slaughtered, and he, the father had made a decision: we will all go together rather than than me allowing one of the children being taken by one of these Bigfoot and being slaughtered. The father, Barton's dad could not live with knowing that one of his children was going to be taken that night by this thing. It, it had gotten that point in, in, into the house that bad. This thing was trying to get in, you know? Ah. Uh, uh, so it, the, he'd made the decision, we'll just all go together rather than allowing one of you to be eaten. Wow. That, that is, my, but you go back and you look back. He was investigating, and then we come forward. We got Scott Carpenter and David Pilatus and all these people. These wow. are the, these are the the godfathers or the grandfathers of before it was cool, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, wow, that's that's incredible. I, I, so here, this is I guess the the curse and the beauty of it. So, mm-hmm. like I was telling you beforehand, um, 
and, and the audience knows this, for, I think for the most part, I don't like sitting down with somebody and already having them have told me their whatever they want to talk right, about, right, you know? Right. Uh, and it, it's just, I, I enjoy, if I'm not having fun, the audience isn't going to have fun. If I'm not exactly. having fun, there's not going to be a show because traditionally, and producer Jack can attest to this now that he works for me, I don't do things I don't want to do. Right. And that's a good right. thing and a bad thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the fact that I'm here, it's because I want to be here. Uh -huh. If I'm not having fun, I'm not going to show up. And Amen. so, Amen. so I need to do things a certain way. And, and the way I do it is, I like sitting down with people, having conversation, and letting that first initial interaction be what's recorded. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I don't dive into people's stories before they come on the show. So yes, I know yes. about Barton, but I didn't know uh -huh. the details like that. Oh, and well, so, yeah. I, I thought you'd heard him, but no, I forgot. And, and that's See, why I love I it. I forgot <laughs> you were, you were uh, doing an interview while Barton and I was talking in Paris. Mm. And, you know, I, I knew of his story, but his story come out. And I mean, you could hear a pin drop in this place. Unreal. And then they said, they said the same, you know, it was just like a pin drop. Everybody, you know, they're talking, this place is alive and is just wild. You can't even hear the people talking. Barton steps forth, pin drops, and he begins to tell. But that's the thing. It's like the cameras are not here. We're sitting here and it's like, we're the two old guys sitting in grand rivers kentucky like they are describing in some of the older books and they're sharing their stories yeah you know we're sitting here we're eating a a, a, a viney weenie and we're swapping pocket knives the cameras aren't even here i don't even think about them mm -hmm. so we're just having a grand old time and we're just telling uh the stories as they have been told or, or things that we have seen mm -hmm. so the devil's backbone. The devil's Where? backbone, man. This is going to be the actual name of the trilogy, this third book that I'm going to come to some conclusions and pre pre actually present a synopsis the way an investigator would be investing in, whether it would be a homicide or a burglary. I'm going to give a breakdown to what I believe is taking place that I have so held back. I've held this back and, and I've gained this, uh, inner strength or voice where I want the world to know, because it's just not the LBL. It's the national parks. It's the family that disappeared. And they mm -hmm. said, oh, they died of some kind of poisoning, or it's the family that's no longer found husband goes in elk hunting, but he's never seen again. This has taken place all over. So. The Devil's Backbone is just a tiny story. This is a peninsula. The Devil's Backbone stretches almost from one end of it almost to the other. So is the Devil's Backbone the 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 land between the lakes, the the, the land uh, between the, the rivers like physically? I'm not trying to name yeah. but like literally the land that the rivers no, run around. The uh the Devil's Backbone is the mountainous region and the deep crevices and i'll have to take you and show you some there are yeah. some that when you look down it would be on a miniature scale it's like looking off into the grand canyon it's on a miniature scale but the devil's backbone starts in from the piney campground in and stretches all up going through the uh to the left of the trace it would be the west side of the trace and it, it will cut up through uh Piney, where the road goes to Piney and goes all the way up towards Kentucky. 
and uh, it has one highest peak called Gordon. I think it's called Gordon's Hill. But this devil's backbone is, and I, see, we never, I never did bring it out, but I've got the story in there and I, and I had to change the lady's name and her, 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 uh, in the, in the new book, in that, the you, new that book, you already have out that her brother died on the devil's backbone. He disappears in the devil's backbone. And then the TBI, TBI, TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority officer contacts her after he, after he, resigns and retires from there and contacts her and says, you know, we found your brother's tent. It wasn't as they said and told you that your brother had died with a heart attack or some natural cause. He was ripped from his tent and then dragged out into the woods and just strewn apart. She was told and the family was told that her brother had went on a hike, which he did a lot. He was ex-military and he goes up into the devil's backbone to do a, like a three or four day camp, come back on a Monday. When he doesn't show back up, she alerts authorities. They go in and they say, oh yeah, we, we can't find his body, this, this, that, and the other. And then they find his body and they said, well, he probably died of a heart attack. And then the possums and, and other wildlife, you know, had, predated upon him after his death post death mm. so she's contacted after they they bury him and it's like a year year and a half later maybe longer and this t tva officer retires and says i'm one of the officers that oh found your brother's body it wasn't as they said he was actually ripped from his tent in his sleep and the tent was torn apart everything so that that's in that, but that's, that's the devil's backbone, man. We yeah. have so many missing or, or people found killed in this immediate area since 1960s. And some things go back prior to that where, before the T, the TVA took over. Do you know where the name came from? I do not. But if there's one thing I've learned from that great man, David Pilatus is that is some area when you look at a map. And it's dubbed the Devil's Backbone or the Devil's Den or Ape Canyon. That might be, as that comedian said, there's your there's sign. sign. <laughs> Stay the heck out of these places. But the Devil's Backbone, and you go into uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen and all these places mm -hmm. that are named in these national parks, that's where people have been killed and people have disappeared since the 1800s even, mm -hmm. back before we we had the national parks and stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, uh, how these names come come about, but it, it's that's what I figured. I mean, mm -hmm. it, I just imagine, you know, two hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, uh -huh. uh, the name, you know, so, some old lady, you know, just it, it's just you know, over her lifetime, they just started calling an area the Devil's Backbone because mm -hmm. you know, oh, the Devil's Backbone got him again. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. and oh, he went missing in the devil's backbone. We no told wonder. him not to raccoon hunt in the devil's backbone. You that's, are, that's you're going to be shocked yeah. with the stories that come out from the devil's backbone in that book. But I've got to tell you something else. Model Tennessee. Was that a model, town? Yeah. Model, it's on, yeah. Model Tennessee that no longer exists. Oh, it doesn't exist anymore? It doesn't exist. It's right where the Cumberland, uh, uh, the Cumberland, uh, 
furnace. I forgot the name of this one. Oh, Lord. But there's a furnace that still exists right by the Buffalo Prairie, the oldest Buffalo Prairie that, that's not the new one, but the old one where they give birth at. And it's the birthing fields. So right across from that was a little town called Model, M-O-D-E-L. So we go back to, um, I'm going to guess in the 1940s or 50s, a woman reports her husband missing. He's found no other, but in the devil's backbone, 15 foot in the tree ripped two shreds. Mm. Devil's back. Your story, mm-hmm. the devil's backbone got him. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to play in the devil's back? Why would you want to take a ride on the devil's back? Yes. I, can, I just imagine how these legends and these these names you know, come Gra- up. With- Granny says, "Stay out of the devil's backbone." Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like it's just like like uh, Granny's having a talk with her grandkids, you know, and yeah. she's like, the kids are like, you know, well, he said I should do it. And He's like, well, would you take a would you take a piggyback ride from the the devil? No. Well then, then don't do that. Then and don't all, do that. And yeah. all of a sudden, in the area that you know, it's called the Devil's Backbone. You wouldn't take a ride on the Devil's Back, would you? Exactly. Stay away from there. Stay away from our youngins. Yeah. You youngins, stay out of the Devil's Backbone. Yeah. That's a. That, that, it's incredible. It, it, and it, it's just. Uh, I had to ask you because when you were saying the Devil's Backbone, I was like, uh-huh. well, that's probably the title of the episode for sure. But uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah. The only thing you'll find on there. You have to stretch that map up and you will see the devil's elbow trail. It's labeled that devil's elbow, which is on the Eastern side. You'll see, you'll see, uh, I think a trailhead named that, but the devil's backbone, if you'll come off of piney Mm -hmm. campground road that leads from highway 79 into the trace road, that's where it begins. Okay. I'm looking right at it. Yep. In the book, there's a picture. I was I was privy enough to have an individual take me that showed me where we've named the kid Derek, the young man that was killed. Mm. We found Derek's camp and where he was torn apart. Really, in the devil's backbone. Wow. And so you know you you you've got the devil's elbow, the devil's backbone. You got all these papers. And it's like you said, when granny says, stay away from the devil, you better stay away from the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is uh fascinating. So, I mean, you've been on, uh, I think you said over 200 investigations in the last 14 months in the LBL, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, it seems like uh, you're not getting bored with it, which means that you guys are finding things and 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 being in this area. So, like this is this is so phenomenal. Um, I heard about the LBL since I started podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, I remember early, early in the show, somebody contacted me. And I think it was, I think a guy named Nick was on the show early in the show, and he, mm-hmm. I remember him messaging me saying, "Me and my friend are going to go camping in the LBL. I'll let you know if something happened." Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never heard back from him. Uh, well, I mean, maybe I have, I don't remember, but, um, I don't remember getting a report back on that. I'm sure he's, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine. Let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> right, let's hope so. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's one of those things where I'm looking at the LBL now on, my, on the map here and I'm just thinking to myself, there are so many stories that are coming out of there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sitting across the table from somebody who has done such extensive looking into the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be foolish not to try taking advantage of your wealth of information and other people's and start pursuing it. Um, and maybe even publicly for, for the first time, I think maybe ever I've done this where I'll, I'll, I'll just come out and say it. 
Um, I'm 37. Yeah. I got, hopefully, God willing, another 30 years of me being physically active, you know? Amen. Um, let's, let's start diving into it. And I, I, I want to, I want to be, um, the, the, the torch carrier for the next generation on this. Yes. I'm not saying I'm going to be the, uh, the, the, the researcher that everybody wants me to be. Uh, but you know, I'm, a, I, 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 you and I were talking about it earlier. Uh, and I mentioned about how the native Americans, they, they have the storyteller of the tribe, right? And yes, and, yes. And that, that that's, uh, that's kind of how I view myself in our, in our situations where, um, you know, I, I'm when, when a long time ago when the, and I think they actually still do it, but the native Americans, what they would do is they would identify a child who just sent, had a remarkable memory. Unfortunately, that's not me, but, uh, they, that was the, that the person they would train to, and they would teach all the history of the, of the tribe. And that person was the one that carried that, that, for the next generation mm -hmm. and they would re relay to the next person. And I, I kind of view myself in that sense. And there's other people like me uh, that have mm -hmm. podcasts and stuff. And, and, and we're like, the, we're, we're the modern version of that. Um, I am in a unique situation where I live just a couple hours away from the LBL mm -hmm. and I'm in contact with guys who have been heavily looking into it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm younger than all you guys. Yes. And so I, I think... I think the 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 logical conclusion should be that that I do some kind of um, going out there with you guys, learning the yes. area and gathering the information, just so that we can carry these stories and this this stuff to you the next generation. You need to carry on where I've had to leave off, and, right. and that's my that's that actually is my goal because I know that I'm old and I know that my body is failing me for for many injuries I've received. Uh, in, in the line of duty, but you always managed to take the guy to jail. You told me that. Yeah, I always <laughs> drug that sucker to jail, yeah. one way or the other. But that's where you will take over where I have to stop. Mm. You know, and I, I'm smart enough to understand that my time has come, and so you need to take over and lead where I had to leave off. You take everything that we've got. Every generation, if they're smart will learn from the previous generation. Right. And they will take that wealth of knowledge, that that tools per se that has been given them, and they will make that tool better. And that's what your job is now is to tell that story and investigate it and go where we had to leave off. Mm-hmm. It, that that's that's what you're destined to do. And that's what my belief is. Well I um yeah, I I, I just think that I got to do something with it. And so, like I said, I, I don't know if I'll be what everybody wants me to be as far as, you know, what they want to have a researcher or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. Because uh, I, quite frankly, I wouldn't even know where to begin with the idea of mm -hmm. researching. Um, what I typically do with our, our films is that, you know, the last three times that I've done it, and this is my philosophy always, is just put yourself in the environment and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You can't, man, well... Maybe you can, but I'm not trying to manifest things, right. um, but rather just be in the environment and see what happens. And uh, I just think that that mindset paired with the history that you guys have built up over the years and the mm -hmm. documented cases that you guys have looked into, um, so I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I should be doing something with it. Sure. And so uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it as time goes on and stuff, but uh, it's definitely something that I, I just, I don't know, I feel compelled to... Uh, it draws, do. it, it does, and you will feel this compulsion to try to investigate and to keep going, but it will, 
it will draw you in because I believe we are so close to an answer. Mm, there is an answer. We, we as humans throughout history, we discover and we obtain answers if we look hard enough. Mm-hmm. That that one clue is going to pop forward. I agree. I think it is. That one clue will come forward. I think it is, man. I really do. I think that what's happening right now with the shift in mindset and the understanding that, um, so I think yeah, 20 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, maybe probably even closer to the, today, actually. But the traditional mindset was, you know, if you said paranormal, you're talking about ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you said paranormal, you're not necessarily... Nobody's really thinking about Bigfoot or Dogman. As, right, right. Because the idea of paranormal was like this other, the spiritual, the interdimensional, these things appearing and disappearing. And that's not Bigfoot. That's not Dogman. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see the transition. And when people are coming forward like you and other people coming saying, hey, I saw this thing come out of a portal. Yes. Uh, yes. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, okay. We're now we're in the middle of that transition now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what we're experiencing right now. Um, going back to that, that, that instance, um, when you saw that thing appear and you said how high it was, how tall it was, yes. did you ever see it walking on two, two or, uh, four legs four, you know, legs or arms, whatever you want to call it and stuff, or was it always on two? It was actually, um, crouched down almost like in a spider crawl Mm -hmm. when it, when it first appeared up out of this, we've got photographs. We went back. Wait a second. We have photographs beat. of what? We have where it was. We okay. get photographs. Now, now you were, you were so, lead, man. Yeah, this, <laughs> it would be 24 karat gold Kodachrome, would it not? Yes. This would be Kodachrome, man. I'm like, what is wrong and, uh, with you? Yeah. We're like an hour and a half into this. <laughs> and you've not shown me the photograph. Show me the Holy photograph. Crap. Okay. So this guy, uh, we went back and, and, and I'm glad you brought this up too, because well, Two things that need to come out. I need to mention uh, a guy's name that has this, but we went back to where this location was. So this thing was in a spider crawl. And from what I could see, I couldn't see its elbows. It was almost like I could see arms and legs. I believe Daryl may have seen feet. I did not. But this thing comes up. And we've measured this thing was 10 feet down on the side of the road. Now we have photographs of where it came out of and we have went back and we've had to, for me, I had to go around the opposite direction walking to get to it because it's deep. Mm. This thing comes up out of this ditch line. I never seen its legs move. It was almost as if it was a football player gate, like it was going to catch something, but its legs were not moving. Almost like a hologram per se. Hmm. It's just like watching the, the, the Terminator. This thing is gliding along and it is so fast. It is a streak of lightning where it goes up a hill and we will go to the location where it goes up, travels up the hill and it's just split second, man, this thing. And it's effort, effort, effortlessly going up this hill. Hmm. No legs ever moved. So when you were telling me the uh, the story initially, you were talking about how there was a mist and it was down. Yes. Uh, so when it was down, that's when you're talking about the spider crawl posturing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
did you did you see it actually walking like that, or did you see it crouched down and then it stood up? It was crouched and it just like rose up. Okay, I never seen muscles or anything move like that mm -hmm. because it was almost a translucent stage. Right, but it come up out of the mist and rose. It didn't like physically. I never saw it like move my elbows pushing forward or or pushing up from the ground. It just like it rose. If I didn't know better, it would be like a ghost. Yeah. You know, it was almost like a ghost in appearance and with its gray appearance and the mist that was around it. Interesting. And uh, uh, freaky is the only word that I can come up with to, to describe it. It was just freaky, you know, and uh, so Hollywood couldn't couldn't have done it any better, man. I mean, for it to appear, rise and disappear up this and then uh do whatever type of physical uh, uh, attack or, you know, you can compare this as to a small animal that runs through our woods, which when I was a child, we used to catch and play with. It was almost as if this thing skunked us, hmm. but it had phenomenal abilities. A skunk 10 times over. It sprayed us with something. It caused some type of abnormal behavior that affected our Daryl's legs, my body. I began to get numb. So from another world, military experiment, uh, uh, experiment, was this something military? Was this something that, that has always been here? That's the question. It is the question. That is the question. It, it, and there, there's a lot of questions. Uh, uh, before I forget, before I no, forget, because it wouldn't be fair not to mention this guy. Cryptid and Critters Paranormal Group. It goes to paranormal. When you said paranormal a minute ago, it just clicked. Dewey Edwards, the Bell Witch Scholar. I mean, this guy knows anything to do with anything about Robertson County and Tennessee history in general. But his he's written a book and again this goes back to paranormal where we used to, it was just it was uh unheard of to discuss bigfoot dogman and paranormal but then, then let's add one because his book covers it cryptid and critters portals <laughs> once again portals graveyards Paranormal, Bigfoot, and Dogman, all is coming together. Could it be that part of our answer is that it always has been, mm -hmm. but we just never had the realm uh, of of the thoughts that it, they were separated. Each 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 person had a different, you know, group. Yeah, and I think what it is is that you have all these different people that have different answers, right? Mm -hmm. And front their answer is already to them outside the wor the worldly normal perspective. Yes. And so when somebody else has a, 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 the same vibe of an answer, only it's a different per it's, it's a different aspect. It's hard for the these people to cross uh, compare notes and be like, okay, mm -hmm. uh, I can I can. They already had to do mental jump jumping jacks just to get gymnastics to jump into the line I think they have already. Mm -hmm. And now you're saying there's this as well and it belongs with this. That's too much to take. Yes. It's, it's just way too much. I think what we're having now though is we're having, uh, we're living in a world where information is being shared at rapid pace. Mm -hmm. We've never experienced this before. I mean, it's so fast. 
that it's allowing people to consume things in 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 uh in such short periods of time. You can mm-hmm. listen to a podcast talking about Bigfoot uh appearing and disappearing and then in the next hour you're hearing the same thing from Dogman and then people mm-hmm. are comparing notes and like hold on a second. I believe this guy Martin Groves. Yes. And yes. all of a sudden this person over here is saying something very similar with a different topic and I believe this yeah. person too. And all of a sudden it's like, well maybe it's the same thing. And that's it what comes being together comes together. Exactly. And that's what me and Wes, uh, my buddy at Sasquatch Chronicles, he and I, uh, years ago, were talking about this stuff. And uh, we both came to the conclusion that we believe that the lines between these different topics and categories are very much blurred. Uh, they used to be hard lines. It's like, nope, this doesn't apply to this. And yeah. now it's just like, you know what? I think there's crossover. And the more you get into this, the more you see the crossover happening. And, uh, you know, if that makes me a woo-woo guy, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I wear that brat badge proudly. As hell bent as the hellbenders or hell bent le- or hell bent holler group says, the hellbenders say the woo woo factor. The paradox it goes this last thing I want to say about about Mr. Edwards. Keep an eye on Dewey Edwards. Oh, he's coming here. There is a story that is coming, and I don't want to give oh, really? his book away. But how about this? How about a portal? A portal that opens up in LBL. A body is discovered of a man in a black suit, dead, no visible markings on the body in 1970-something. I'll let him tell you. <laughs> but his book is going, his brand new book is going to cover the portals, the UFOs, UAPs, <laughs> and especially this body that just shows up out of the middle of nowhere. Did that body come from a portal that come from a different time dressed? Okay. What was men in black? The movie men in black, Tommy Lee Jones Mm -hmm. and the other guy. Will Smith. This guy was supposedly dressed just like that men in black. And this was in 19. Dewey has the papers on it. Dewey has all the records on it. We can't find the death certificate, hmm. but he has other, and we have, he has, he, he did all this. I'm nothing to do with, it. I'm just retelling it because it fits in with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Here's this man that come out of nowhere, unidentified, dressed men in black. Did he come from another where did he come from? Where did he come from? Where did he come from? Where did he go? You know, where did Cotton Eye Joe come from? I was from, just going to say. Where did he come from, man? And he's <laughs> sitting right next to a certain location. And, and I took Dewey there and he took his photographs. And Dewey took the photographs of also where this uh, the, this translucent beast came from. And it's all within two to three miles of each other. It's wow. all on the devil's backbone. Mm-hmm. But keep your eye, keep your eye on Dewey. And, I mean, and his story. Yeah, no, I, we talked about it last time, and you said that he'd come out, right? He, yes, he, he did, and we I talked with him less than a, a two nights ago by okay. telephone. Okay, and uh, so he right now he's going through some some health issues, and he's 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 going to be okay. Say prayers for Dewey, and uh, but hopefully he'll be well soon, and and he's ready to rock and roll and get back get back out in the field. As soon as he's ready to make that mm-hmm. trip, keep in touch with him. As soon as you're, he's ready, certainly. Just let me know, and we'll bring I've him out. T- I've told him, but now Barton, I will bring Barton here. So, so he he said, so he doesn't get lost, 
Now he he'd find his way here. Barton just take a little longer. Barton Nunley is the kind of guy that you turn loose, like in Alaska, uh-huh. and he's he's wearing Bermuda shorts, and he shows up here with his spear that yeah. he t- carries. And I'm I've been with him. He kept he's got he'll have his spear, and he'll he will be wearing uh uh, uh Arctic. Uh, polar bear clothes and everything else where he is and but he'll make it here in just a few days mm. but yes i have promised to bring barton he's wanting me to uh, uh drive him up here and uh, so i'll bring him whatever day you want him i'll show up here with him sounds good i mean uh the studio is turning into the powwow circle man I yes love it, it is that's what it's what i envisioned when i came down here when i moved here i i told uh-huh. people i'm going to turn this area into the uh, paranormal podcasting haven. Yes, this is like like I, I firmly believe in the next five years you're going to see other podcasters coming mm-hmm. here because of what we're doing. I sure hope you remember this old guy, man. Oh. If I'm still kicking, brother. Yeah, of course. You you'll you'll be on speed dial. Amen, bro. So, yeah, no. Amen. It's just it's exciting, man. And I I would I I want all these guys. Like I want all these guys here to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. I want them here together talking. Like that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, you're, this is your second time here, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, w- one day you and Dewey are going to be here. W- which day- I'm honored to be here because I know I'm one of the very first, if not the first, that you've ever had back twice. Yeah. Thank I, you. Thank I, you, Tony. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just, you know, I got four microphones at a table. We can get, put a fifth here if we needed it. And yes. It's just, yep. uh, but I, my philosophy is four is, five is a crowd. Can you imagine... Could you could you imagine not let's let's exclude me? I'd be happy if I can just listen. <laughs> but can you imagine if you get Scott Carpenter, Barton Nunley, Dewey Edwards, and Daryl, or maybe one of the older uh, individuals that we know of? And you know, there's something else now. I realize I was in seclusion and I kept it quiet for thirty years. Yeah. I mean, I totally was doing all this, but I I stayed. In, in the background, nobody knew what I was doing except the people I spoke to. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine there's others out there? Yeah. They are others out there. Now, maybe they've been in the limelight a little bit more or, or, or in the light of the campfire, but there are others. And you get all this phenomenal information together under one roof mm-hmm. and you turn the camera on and let them slowly begin to tell the rip. intelligence and the knowledge that has been given to them. Yeah. I mean, I really like, I mean, talk about, that'd be leg- some legendary roundtable stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it would. But, uh, you know, it, it's something that I'm excited about. I, I, I can almost taste it. It's so real. I can almost taste it. I, I, it's only a matter of time till th- that, that those situations happen. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I almost may, might need to come up with a whole, like not a new show, but almost like, when when I have a crew of guys together, like yes. call it those episodes like something special. Like uh, when when I was hosting uh, with my dad, Hammerlane Legends. Uh, sometimes it would be me, my dad, Jack, and another person in studio together, and we would call mm-hmm. it the break room. Yeah. And uh, th- those episodes were just you know a bunch of guys together. Uh, we'd have to come up with some kind of special name for it, you know, and not round table. That's overused a lot, but just the idea that all these guys coming together uh, with their own personal experiences, their own investigative stuff. And bringing it to the table and just laying it on the table and saying, "Here it is. Let's start start sorting through this together and swapping stories and experiences and just mm-hmm. talk about, talk it out loud." Because mm-hmm. how many times? I mean, maybe it's just me. I doubt it though. But a lot of times, I have senses. I have ideas 
that I just can't put my finger on something until I start verbalizing and talking to somebody else about it. And all of a sudden things start clicking in my head. I'm like, wait a second. Now it makes sense because you're talking it out loud. Mm -hmm. And imagine having three guys, four guys at a table doing that together. Yes. I I can only imagine some dots that would be connected during those sessions. Go back to the days of when our days of old when we had a president that would get on the radio and address the American people mm-hmm. by only radio. There's your answer. The fireside chat of the evening. You have the old fireside chat mm-hmm. and you get them all together and they begin to share this, what I call the pool or the wealth of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think it's going to happen. I really do. I, mm-hmm. I just... Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about what the future I am holds. Too. I am too. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish we were a little closer. Yes. Uh, so it wasn't so much of a drive for you, but mm-hmm. you, you made it just fine today. So I made the old guys. I've, I've just practically now can do it with my eyes closed. Perfect. Don't tell the wife though, because <laughs> I was driving her Honda today while I was sleeping. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. We, Henry the Honda. Yeah, so I know I I have to take my son to or my my wife has taken my son to the doctor this afternoon, yeah. so I got to watch my daughter. I hope and, he's doing well too. Yeah, he, he does well. He, uh, so I had told you that we had to start a little sooner. Yeah, and yeah. it just so happened I I came in here like I think it was like five thirty. I got here this morning, uh-huh. and I'm glad I did because. Uh, you called me. I didn't. I don't think it was quite eight yet. And you're just like, mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm like, perfect. Uh-huh. Come on inside. You know, uh-huh. let's get this thing going. So. Yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't have to have you waiting on me. Yes, yes. I was shocked when when I when you had already gotten to the office, uh, which I'm sure that's what you do quite often anyway. That you come in early. Not quite that but, early, but, but yeah. <laughs> if I had known, I would have been up because uh, I was up at one o'clock, went back to bed. I was up at two o'clock, and when I got up at two thirty or two forty-five to get ready, and uh, I'm like. I was stoked, man. And it takes a lot. It, there's only two things that will stoke me. One coming to see Tony Merkel <laughs> and the other is a new introduction to a, another, well, I probably should, another firearm, a new, uh, something new in the firearm news. The pew pews. Yes. Something new comes up Yeah, and we're able to go, go see it or, or, or go to a show or something. Yeah. I, I'll tell you. I, so you, you're on central time. So if you got uh-huh. up at two thirty. That's right when I opened my eyes. I opened my eyes at three thirty. Three thirty. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I woke up at three thirty, and I just was like, I can't go back to sleep. See, I just got up and started getting ready. It, it was it was our bonding. It yeah. was our mental thing. Two thirty and three thirty here, but we got up at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I so, loved it. And when I saw your hills and your mountains here in your home here, yeah. When uh, I saw those hills and mountains, I got stoked, man, because mm-hmm. I knew uh, the other. If we ever get the opportunity. There is some things missing that needs to be told here, and Scott's got it covered, but there needs to be more intel come out of these mountains because I'm telling you, I have two friends. One thing you have to always remember about old Bubba here, I went to Tennessee State Academy here. Yes, I'm older, but I have younger friends, and I've still got some old cats. I got policemen all over the state of Tennessee, and I've got two deputies in this immediate area. Won't discuss their counties. You got people all the time still missing in the Smoky Mountains. Mm. What about the ones that was reported we ain't got no answer for, as they say? Yeah. Somebody needs to do some answering. Mm. Uh, 
you got some explaining to do, Lucy. There is some explaining to be done over here in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. I know Scott covers quite a bit, and he's right here, right here on it, but mm-hmm. we need to get into them mountains. I'll tell you what, if I knew Scott was home today, he's he's working right now. Mm-hmm. I would I would have called him and said, hey, man, come on over here to come the studio. Come on over, man. Yeah, because he's he literally 10 minutes from the studio. Yes. So Please tell him I said hello. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huge fan, huge fan. I think I, I, I'm going to hit him up maybe today and see if he's available Saturday because he's been wanting to take me out to mm-hmm. the area that he's found a lot of this evidence and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said he wants to do it before the trees start getting a bunch of leaves on and stuff. It's harder to navigate and things like that. So... I've uh, heard I've heard him discuss too about when the foliage comes out and yeah. stuff because you have no visibility whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But when I say I'm a villager of Pilatus, I am of 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 Scott Carpenter as well, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm glued to anything. When he comes on the air, it's like, wife, be quiet. <laughs> Get quiet, cat. Get over there and sit down. Scott Carpenter's on TV. Let's watch him. I got you. Yeah, he's he's a good guy, uh, and he's another one that we'll have back in the studio plenty of times. I mean, shoot, he's mm-hmm. my neighbor. You know, so. he was the one that that opened me up, and then I was able to actually begin to tell people that I had been mind spoke, mm-hmm. what he calls mind speak. But when you that is something that is so personal, and if you'll never speak to a witness, mm-hmm. that's one thing that they won't talk about because it's just that's. Like the taboo of the Bigfoot world yeah. is that these creatures communicate telepathy and communicate and can, in my opinion, can, can control you. And and he says as much, mm-hmm. but they can control you. And that's why you have, uh, in my opinion, that's why you have lapse, time lapse with hunters that, that, that they can't explain why they disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look back to the initial initial story with me where I have no recall of why it took me 14 hours or so to go from point A to point B and back to my campsite. Yeah. But Scott Carpenter covers it. He covers it. Absolutely. Well, I think Scott Carpenter, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Groves, Barton Nunley, all these guys. They are all holding pieces that everybody needs to uh, take in. And Just a I, little sliver of pie that yeah. we all contain together. Yeah. And so uh, uh, I'll be the pizza box that keeps all the slices. You got it, bro. You know what I mean? You got it. So uh, I appreciate you coming out again, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to share my books and the knowledge. And I'm glad to share Barton Unley's Inhumanoid shirt with you, brother. That right. is your shirt that he I sent. I appreciate that. Hold it up for the and, camera. Uh, Inhumanoids. Awesome. He's got it together, man. Did, did he send this to for me? Or Yes, he okay. sent that to you. Well, Barton, Barton, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, well, before we get out of here, uh, tell the people again, names of your books, both of them, and where they can get them. Yes. Uh, Beast Between the Rivers. Uh, folks, thank you guys. Um, it's phenomenal. You guys have treated me so well. Beast Between the Rivers has sold so many books here in America and is abroad. Thank you uh, from the UK and Australia, everywhere. The new book is uh, uh, is a trace of death, and it's named basically after the road that cuts right through the middle of the land between the lakes, and it's called The Trace. And read the book. It will tell you why we call it A Trace of Death. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's an awesome, awesome start to a trilogy. Trilogy. Amen. Amen. And so, and the last one, of course, is going to be the Devil's Backbone. Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, let's see here. It's going to be 
Devil's Backbone, we'll have you out. We'll have you out with uh, Dewey. We'll have you out with Barton. We'll have you out when we'll do do Scott Carpenter in studio. We're going to have you yes. out. I mean, I'll I'm be gonna, pleased to come. I'm going to put a cot in the back for you. Just, you uh, know, <laughs> Vienna sausages is the key to get me to come. Just the six pack of the Vienna, uh, they, they used to call them Vienna weenies, but Vienna sausages, man. And I want the full flavor of the original, man. You Barbecue will do too. You got it. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate you. God bless. It's good to meet all of you here today. Absolutely. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show because that's the best thing you can do to help this show grow. Share the show. And also go ahead and check out Martin's new book, Beast Between the Rivers, A Trace of Death. Like I said in the episode intro, it is in the description. You can just click the link and it will navigate you to his books on Amazon and you can purchase them, read them, enjoy them. Reach out to Martin. He's very receptive. He loves talking with people and he will be back again several times on this show. I love Martin. He's become a great friend of mine and he has great people around him that are helping him get all this information out. It's very cool to see how the community that so often has so much drama in it has come around people like Martin just to help him get his story out. And I'm just glad to be part of that process. All right, guys, until next week, stay safe, take care. And remember, the members get a nap on Thursday, but I'll see you next Tuesday if you're not a member. Bye.
penitentiary Phoenix with Jesus I'm a chimera looking at these golden years flying by by fair force They couldn't it off for the food too Analytics they used to recruit you Wars are painting the sets on your sons too They don't want the individual just to carve a copy True spitting that man a cotty Yeah I'm talking saucy All they want to build is a prison world full of pet Tamagotchis Like a kamikaze got me out of body like I'm Goku SS3 They want to push me to the center like a cell They want to spin up at the center of the nexus Man yeah.